the late 80s, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast Pat Trek. My continuing mission to introduce my friend Patrick to the best show that ever ran on television and to boldly go where millions of white guys with glasses have gone before. This is the show where my friend, Pat O'Rourke, introduces me, Patrick Winnegar, to Star Trek The Next Generation, a show that I've never seen. And I have seen a ton of times. And Patrick, I feel like it's been too long since I've told you that you're like family to me. Oh yeah? Like what kind of family? The kind I want to punch in the face! Yeah? (laughs) Well, let's get over to that mud puddle, boy. (laughs) You've always been too perfect! I'm gonna wrestle! (laughs) That fight scene was pretty weak. It only lasted about five seconds. It did, and they just rolled around in mud. It was like a sexy beer commercial from the early 90s. One of those people was definitely not sexy, though. (laughs) I think think the... uh the off-brand Michael Caine that they found. He did look like an <laughs> off-brand Michael Caine. Whoa. I, uh, I apologize to the actor that played Robert. We're talking about the TNG episode, Family. A great episode. I liked it. It is the, Not a lot happens in it. Not a but lot. But it's good, and I think it needs to happen. Yeah. To, I like, did miss space. Yeah. Not enough space in this episode. Yeah, but, you know, it, I don't think we've seen an episode where they come down to Earth. No. Yeah. And I think that's the point of this one. Yeah. We get to see some of Earth as well and how people behave about technology on Earth, which yeah. I think is very telling. Totally different from uh, the Starfleet culture. Like, yes. People still go about their daily lives. They still have farms, and they do whatever they want to do. Right. But we, as they say, like they have replicators. They have all the stuff, all the technology that they have on the Enterprise, but they just kind of get to live how they want. Right, it's their choice to use it or not. Yeah, exactly. Which I thought was fascinating. Pretty interesting. I do have a fun fact. Oh, yeah? And speaking of being back down to Earth with humans, Uh Data does not show up at all in this episode. You know what? You're right. I didn't notice that. And it's the only episode of all of Next Generation where he doesn't show up. At all. At all. Brent Spiner got his only day off of the whole series. (laughs) Any other episode, he's in. He's in. This is the Even only if he doesn't time. have lines. Yes, we see him somewhere. Huh. This is the only episode. Maybe he was, no... like, getting retrofitted or yeah, something. Yeah, he was getting repaired. Well, if you think about it, it makes sense, because yeah. after the last episode, his positronic brain went through quite a lot of lift. Right. Put some miles he had on to, that He thing. had to hack the Borg. <laughs> yeah. It kind of makes sense. Yeah. But, yeah, he's not in this episode huh. at all. Well, I have, for Patrick's log, I found a headline... That connects to the present day. Oh, this no is way. from October first, nineteen ninety, is when Family aired, and I found this headline in Time Magazine: David Lynch, Czar of Bazaar. Yeah, it's a terrible headline. Oh my god! As his haunting Twin Peaks begins a new season, David Lynch tests whether a brill- brilliantly eccentric film artist can move to the mainstream. 
A peg-legged woman walks past David Lynch's table. She might be a victim from Blue Velvet, her local color from Twin Peaks. But the man who dreamed up both of those nightmare entertainments pays her no heed. And it goes on and on about how weird Twin Peaks is and how yeah. weird David Lynch is. And, oh, isn't this crazy that this thing is on television? Twin Peaks had just started its second season on, I want to say it was on CBS. Oh, interesting. I think it was on the same same network as same Next network Gen. as Next Gen. Oh, that's wild to think about. Yeah, uh, I know it was on network TV. Yeah, well, no, Next Gen wasn't on CBS. It was syndicated. It was, it was syndicated. Uh, CBS. Uh, Paramount made it. Paramount did. Yes. Okay. We were thinking original series because of our Patreon. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Okay, but it's it's crazy to think about because Twin Peaks is now going through. Uh, revival. Yeah, it's back, baby. Yeah, it's back. It's it's got it's a back. new like new season. Luke Picard comes back to planet Earth <laughs> yeah. after twenty years. Yeah. Oh my god, it's crazy. Yeah, but I just I just thought that was weird how the exact headline from October first, nineteen ninety, connects to the present day. Yeah, yeah. Time is a flat circle. Said another bizarre eccentric e- eccentric TV show. Uh, yeah. Also. Well, wait, Time is a Flat Circle is from True Detective. No, it's True Detective. Oh, that is True yeah. Detective. God damn it. I was going to say... Twin Peaks is better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you could tell because season two of True Detective was straight garbage. Yeah. Season one was a little... I. You know what? I'm not a huge fan of True Detective. I'm going to say am that. I. I feel I like we got lost it. in the hype of it. Yeah. I didn't finish it. Versus it being good. I thought it would go to the point where like Woody Harrelson's character would say that Matthew McConaughey's character is full of shit. <laughs> and, like, the point where Woody Harrelson's character is like, why do you keep saying odd shit? Yes. That that was the height of that for me, mm-hmm. and I loved it then. And when it got to, oh, wait, Matthew McConaughey's character is right. Time is a flat circle. He's super deep. It lost me. Well, speaking of time. Yeah, anyway, sorry. time, <laughs> space, thought, all being one thing. Right. Let's get into this episode. Yeah. Sorry for ranting about True Detective. No, I, I have a lot like, of opinions about that. Well, I feel like it was overhyped. It was. People loved that season. Oh man! And it was a lot of gibberish. It was and like yeah, dangling threads oh, of nothing. Oh my god! Yeah, yes. I could go on and on about that. Well, to me, it's kind of like Lost, and I know Zach Mass is not listening, and he's an avid Lost fan. But I didn't finish Lost either. Lost sucks. Yeah, Lost <laughs> is a bullshit okay. Well, show. Uh, the the last season of Lost sucks. No, I don't know. <laughs> After they open the hatch, it all just goes downhill. That, that's when it jumps the shark. Yeah, today. it's a stupid show. Change jump the shark to open the hatch, <laughs> I say. <laughs> Let's talk about a show that doesn't suck. Yeah, one that never opens a hatch, and that's Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, so when we last le- when we last left the Enterprise, as we know, the Borg uh, cube had attacked Earth. Data found a way to kind of hack through... Captain Picard's yeah, brain. The mainframe. Yeah, and shut down the central command. And very harrowing for Captain Picard. So we know he's been through a lot, and we get to see his healing process uh, a little closer through this episode. His emotional healing. Right. His physical healing has been done. Right. So we skip forward probably a month or so, the time it took them to get from wherever they were to Earth. Yeah. Uh, but the Enterprise is also healing. It's in dry dock, and yes. it's it's being refitted at the space station that is orbiting Earth. And the crew is kind of taking it easy. Like, there's some officers still doing work, and 
like in the opening scene, we see Riker commanding some stuff, just making sure that the retrofitting goes well. He talks to Worf. Worf comes in. He's like, yeah, you know, I upgraded the phasers and everything seems to be going all right. And Riker's like, oh, by the way, your um, your parents are on board or coming on board to see you. And Worf is a little taken aback. He's like, uh, it's not Klingon tradition for family to visit their children when they're serving. Yeah, and, but Worf, yeah. you were raised by two humans who Human, never get to see exactly. you. Exactly. And Riker's, you. Riker's like, well, it's not my business. If you choose not to see them, I can give you leave. And Worf is like, no, absolutely not. He doesn't want to leave his post. Which I think is kind of strange. Yeah. We also see um, O'Brien on the ship as well, working the whole time. That guy didn't want to go back to Ireland? Yeah, yeah, I know. It's like, man, you guys are back He's got to run the transport. He's got to run the transport for all these people. I just feel like everybody would be like, get me off this thing. It's not even working. Have someone fill in. Yeah. Data got to go. Yeah, Data went somewhere. Yeah. He's on a spirit quest. (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, Riker's like, look, if... If you want to leave, just let me know. And he's like, no, no. And it, it doesn't seem like he doesn't want to see them. But he, it sounds like he wants them to uh, conform to these uh, Klingon norms. Right. It's like, don't visit me when I'm on duty. I think that and, is worse fatal flaw. Yeah. Right? Like, everyone's got to act like a Klingon because that's how Klingons act. Although mm-hmm. he's not, he's spiritually part human. Right. But... Riker is, like, trying to convince him. He's like, look, the Enterprise is a human ship. I can't stop them from visiting. We don't get to Earth that often. I'm just saying, maybe you should see your parents. You right. know, just just this time. Hey, parents embarrass everybody. Yeah. Like, there's not much you can do. And he, uh, Worf mentions his uh, discommendation from the Klingon Empire. You know, that episode that we saw a while back. Yeah, where great episode. He was accused of something that had nothing to do with him, and it was, like, political shenanigans. But Worf is but that's still— that's the first time we are introduced to the fact uh, uh, that he's an orphan who's been adopted. Right. So we learn in that episode—sorry to, to cut you off, but we yeah. learn in that episode that his father, who's a an enlisted man, is the one who came across— uh, Worf as a child. Right. Which I think is important to context of this episode. Yeah. But Worf is like, I carry that shame with me every day. Even though he didn't do anything wrong, even though his dad didn't do anything wrong, he it is culturally expected for him to carry the shame with him. So he does. He, if, if anything, Worf carries out these social expectations of Klingons to a T. This is how he defines himself. And so it upsets him that his parents are are breaking that tradition. So we're going to see more of that later. Yes. And uh, Picard, meanwhile, is preparing himself to go back down to Earth. He's taking a vacation. Effectively doing the exact opposite of what Worf is doing. Yeah. He's going to his home village in France. And I keep forgetting that he's French. Uh, Well, because... Yeah, he, obvious reason. He, he has an extremely British like character and accent and all that stuff. And so does his family. Yeah, uh, except for the wine, I guess. Yeah, 
He lives on a vineyard or some yeah. some shit. Uh, it's all got mixed together. It's so far. It's in the way future. in the future. Yeah. I guess that that's how they explain the it. The kissing is the only thing that. Yeah, is they kiss still each French. other on both cheeks. So that's how you know they're French. Uh, but <laughs> otherwise he's, they're British, yeah. right? Yeah, basically. <laughs> but he's he's packing and he's talking to Troy, who has been like his uh, therapist this whole time. I love this scene. It's a great scene, and she's saying, "Look, maybe you're not fully healed." emotionally and he does this thing where like he flexes he's like i'm i'm fully healed i'm strong i'm captain picard and she's like look you're putting yourself in a position where you're going to see your family they, that i don't think he's seen in like 20 years no 20 years and you're going to see everyone that you know from your childhood and that's emotionally kind of overwhelming you know why are you choosing to do this? Yeah, and she's like, I'm not saying don't do it. What I'm saying is, think about it. Yeah, why is this important to you now? Yeah, and he doesn't really want to think about it. He just says, look, I don't take a vacation very often. This is, I'm in Earth, I'm in the Earth atmosphere. This is something that I've needed to do for a while, and I'm going to do it. And yeah. And I'm perfectly fine. I'm like, great. I'm 100%. Yeah. And Look at this. I'm Picard, baby. Yeah. He, and he mentioned something about nightmares, which I thought was right? interesting. Like, he's been having serious PTSD over oh, yeah. what happened to him in the Borg Cube. Why wouldn't you? Like, yeah. You and, killed a bunch of Federation soldiers. Right. Soldiers. Oh, God. Federation. No, they are no. soldiers. Oh, God. No, they're sailors. The they're, yeah. They're, it's a military. Federation explorers. They, they went to a battle. They called it a battle. Yeah. They're soldiers, man. <laughs> but, yeah, so he, he has uh, trauma that he's trying to get over, and he, he's choosing to go see his family. And his therapist is basically trying to tell him, why are you doing this? I can't tell you not to, but, you know, just understand that you still have work to do. And it's a nice little exchange because you see, like, that that Picard has vulnerability. Yes. Which is something we don't get to see yes. enough out of Picard. I agree. And this episode is great because it opens up the fact that Picard, who is, as I've stated before, my moral compass, right? Like, yeah. he is a guy who is always striving to do the right thing. But what happens when you break and what you can determine as the right thing might be wrong yeah at, at the end of the day though like he heads out he's going back oh, to yeah. france he should though yeah well get back to your roots man yeah otherwise we'd have no episode yeah he'd be sitting on the ship bored reading shakespeare yeah he'd go on some other sex archaeology hunt uh we, which we've already seen uh yeah, one time he got down in 20 years <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile wharf is preparing to greet his parents and he, he goes to the transporter room, and he sees O'Brien. And he and O'Brien are kind of talking about parents. Oh, they just don't understand. Uh, yeah, and O'Brien's like, well, you know, last time my dad came here, he went to the sickbay and was chasing nurses around. He's, you know, some horny old man, and I can't deal with him. <laughs> and Worf is like, well, my parents are not like that at all. And O'Brien's like, yeah, but it's always something with parents, isn't it? Yep. And Worf is like, yeah, I guess so. And it kind of sets him up to be a little standoffish to his parents who show up and they're like, uh, I think they're supposed to be Russian or Israeli or something. I don't know. 
I don't uh, know. It was like watching Fiddler on the Yeah, roof, like, the, no, the, so his dad looks like Topol. Yeah, right? sounds like Topol. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, but it, yeah, his parents are Sergey and Helena, and they are very, very glad to see him, and clearly very proud. Well, and Sergey is so excited to be on a ship. Oh, yeah. Like, he served on one. Right. But he knows... The Enterprise specifically. Oh yeah, he studied. The he like studied the plans, and he knows where everything is. Like, he also goes right up to Miles O'Brien. Yeah, and is like, ah, fellow enlisted man. I was enlisted. Right, this is what I meant earlier. Yeah, that scene is so much better when you remember the fact that, like, oh, he's a, he's not an officer. He's a guy who. Served. Yeah, because O'Brien calls the call, uh, he tries to call him sir, and Sergey yeah. is like, no, 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 I'm not a sir. I actually do work. Yeah, I was on the Intrepid, yes. and I was just some guy. I right. was a crew member, just like you. Yeah. Please don't call me sir. Which is so great. Yeah. And Helena is, is like, talking about his service, and, like, yeah, Sergey is so proud of it. And But he was most proud of Worf getting his commission. Mm-hmm. That they have seen from this enlisted guy producing a son who became an officer. Like, they're, yeah. they're very, very proud of their son. How beautiful. Yeah. Worf, why are, why are you being such a dick to your yeah, parents? come on, Worf. They don't, they don't understand. And they just love you. Yeah, and they're, they're proud just of trying you. to see you when you're on duty. Yeah, you're outside of Earth. <laughs> that almost never happens. I know. Come on, man. It only happens when the Borg come and attack. Yeah. Just Give this some one love. time. Yeah. But they're trying to get, like, a full tour of the ship, and Worf is like, no, let, let me just take you to your... Take your quarters. Like, the, don't don't bother people by asking to tour the ship. Come on, come on. Be more Klingon. Yeah, be stoic. <laughs> be real standoffish until you party, and then you're like crazy. Yeah, that's what, how Klingons. Yeah, do it. Uh, back on Earth, Picard is walking through this uh, beautiful tree-lined lane somewhere in France, going back to his home, and he sees this like ten-year-old kid. And the kid just surprises him, and he puts his hand uh, his hands up, and he's like, "Oh, a highwayman!" Oh, and the kid's like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> like, this scene is pretty crazy. It's like Picard has no idea how to talk to children. Not at all. He thinks that they all read Shakespeare or some shit. <laughs> like, he, that, yeah. the, the, the yeah. way that he's trying to talk to this kid, the kid is like, "I don't know what you're saying, but I know who you are." Right? I can and see it in your and face. It, it it's revealed that. This is his nephew, Rene. Right. And it's the son of his brother, Robert, who has stayed in his village. And Rene, he drops something like, you know, you don't seem arrow. I don't know. I forget the word. He's like, arrogant? Yes, arrogant son of a... And he cuts him off. He's like, okay, we'll talk about that later. It's like, yeah, well, you don't seem that way. What? Why does father not like you or something? It was like, very much insinuating that things are going to be rough with his brother. Right. Which I think also speaks to the nature of this episode, uh, simply because it's Picard dealing with his past because he almost died. So Picard, I think, we start to learn here, is looking to make amends. Yeah. He's looking to be in a world where he's not at odds with his brother because he hasn't talked to him for 20 years. Yeah. And although he wouldn't say that to Deanna Troy, we do see that coming to life right now. Yeah, and and he approaches 
the farmhouse where he grew up. He sees his sister-in-law, Marie, and she greets him, and uh, Picard says, like, uh, you know, maybe I'm imposing. I can just stay in the village. And she says, she says, no, look, this is your house. This is where you grew up. And me and Robert, we're, we're going to set you up. You'll be fine. You'll have a nice, relaxing stay. A lot of wine to drink. Yeah. They're, they're, it's on a vineyard. Yes. Yeah. It and also looks like it's from the 1800s. It does, which is weird. Super weird. Yeah. Even when we it do looks the old wide timey, shot. It looks old-timey now. Yeah, it's super old-timey. It's like got a slate roof and, like, yeah. But I think what they were saying is this family, the Picard family, has been sticking to their roots or yeah. to the past. As a, a choice. Time. Yes, for a long mm-hmm. time. So he bucked the trend. So Picard is like, okay, well, you know, this looks exactly like how I remember, and nothing I thought has this changed. Was wild. He said the bushes didn't change. Yeah, the bushes, the trees, everything. Over 20 years? Nothing changed. Bushes change. Yeah. Those things die. What, they got a shelf life of like 10 years? Yeah. He's like, well, I'm, I'm going to take a look around first. So he goes out to the fields, and there's this frowny older guy, a little older older than Picard, or may, maybe he just you know has more work and more sun damage. <laughs> uh, he's trimming a vine and... and uh, tasting some grapes, and Picard comes up behind him and says, oh, you know, hello, Robert, and Robert says, oh, hello, Jean-Luc, and it's a very cold greeting. They're, very They're cold. just acknowledging that they both exist, and it is awkward. Robert doesn't even look up from the vine. No, he's just like, I have to tend to the sick vine, but, you know, if you want to just make yourself at home. You know where everything you is. You know where everything is. I'll talk to you later. Yeah. All right, see ya. Brothers. Yeah. Am I right? <laughs> it's just, yeah. You've got brothers. You I, know I, have, I have two, yeah. Um, I don't, we don't really talk to each other that way. We don't have this relationship. Robert no, and neither do me yeah, and my brothers. Robert and Jean-Luc have a, a very strained relationship, and you can see it yes. from the get-go. They, you know, like at one point Jean-Luc says, it's good to see you, and Robert just doesn't say anything. I yeah, uh, I think it's very telling. Yeah, it speaks it, to what l- happens later in the episode. Right. So Jean Luc is just like, all right, I'm. I'll go back to the house. Do you think Picard is a little fresh with his brother's wife in these scenes, in these intro scenes? Did you think that at all? Yeah. It. I don't want to say it looked inappropriate, but it is no. weird that he seems to have a closer relationship to her yes, than to Yes, that's Robert. what I mean. Like, yeah, it wasn't inappropriate or, like, sexually advanced or sexual advancements. Yeah. But it was very, like, they were best friends. Yeah. And he says many things to her throughout this episode. That he didn't say to Robert. No, or, like, yeah, just very complimentary of her. Or he's been sending her letters. He says that at one yeah, point. Yeah, he, he hasn't talked to Robert. Yeah. I was like, man. I feel like maybe she was just his point of contact because maybe Robert didn't answer some of his letters. And she was keeping the family together? Yeah. She plays a pretty traditional female role in this. Like yeah. Like nurturer, caregiver type. Right. Um, so maybe she was the one who held them all together. But I just feel like in every scene when we see her, they like lock eyes and talk pretty intimately like family does. Yeah. Again, not sexually, but intimately. Right. Whereas... Robert and they only Picard. talk when they're drunk. Yeah, they only have one scene where they actually talk to each other. Yeah, yeah, and I, 
you know, I'm thinking that more has to do with the strained relationship between Picard and his brother. Mm. You know, versus the closeness. Yeah, because like the way that he talks to Marie should be how he talks to Robert, and right. like should be how he talks to the rest of his family. Yeah, and like he he talks to Lewis much closer than he talks to Robert, just some yeah, guy from the village. Yeah, uh, like these guys just don't get along mm-hmm. and don't want to get along. No, at least at this point in the Not episode. At this point, yes. yeah. Uh, back in the Enterprise, Doctor Crusher is in her room. And she's talking to Troy, and Troy just casually mentions that her and Will Riker are going to see the Angel Falls in Venezuela. Loved it, right? Loved and they just casually casual mentioned drop. that they—I think they have a relationship again. I don't know. It's, They're on it's, again. Yeah, it's it, background background noise. I know. I love yeah. how they handle this. So, I I actually really do like that. That is never a huge part of this show. Mm-mm. You just assume it's on again, off again, but they're also both cool with it. Yeah. Yeah. Sexually progressive future. Yeah, well, it's yeah, it's a utopian future, and... <laughs> if they're both these, happy, they're both they're happy. If they're both happy, sure, whatever. Right. But then, Dr. Crusher receives a box, and it is uh, labeled with her husband's name, uh, Jack Crusher. And she opens it, and there's the uniform. There's She has a bridal veil. There's a book that she was given as a joke by Jack uh, called, like, How to Advance by Marriage mm-hmm. or something. And Troy's asking her all these questions about it, but then she finds this uh, holodeck cartridge, and she says this was made uh, made when Wesley was born. Jack made it, and it was a message to his son. And he was going to make a whole lot more, but the, you know, then he died, so he couldn't. And she's agonizing over whether or not to show it to Wesley. And Troy convinces her to show it. You have to, right? You ha- that would be bullshit. Yeah, Beverly. it would. Oh my god! Well, the her, man died. Her reasoning was that Wesley has just gotten over his father's death. You never get over that. But yeah, that like the thing is, as, and then Troy rightfully points out, he has so many questions that you can't answer. Yeah, and if you have information, you Ugh. need to give it to him. It this scene, I think, and. I, you know, I'm one to give uh, Wesley a hard time because some of his character choices are, or some of the character choices around him are, are pretty ridiculous. Yeah. I really loved this, I don't know if it was the C arc, this very minor arc in the episode of Wesley being able to uh, see his father in the holodeck um, and see what his father had to say to him. I think, to me, it tied up the episode really nicely because this is a very family-focused episode, if you can't tell. But also... The idea of my, like, to relate this back to me, my dad used to record us as kids on a microphone so we'd have it to play back later when we grew up. And it was him and us talking about things that were important to us. We have these, like, really poorly recorded cassette tapes. In the future, or even, like, uh, uh, handheld camera stuff. It's, like, very bad if you were to watch it now. Right. But, But parents had this tendency to record what their children are doing and their inter- interactions with children yeah what's so cool about this episode is like in the future you can make a hologram of that yeah and you and can interact would. not would. interact why with would? it but you can see it right in front of you yeah and why wouldn't a parent have the desire to do this for their kid i thought it was a really cool application of sci-fi to true human behavior yeah i mean uh, i i 
have or had a grandfather that had uh, dementia after a stroke, and uh, I know that my mom had cassette tapes where she recorded conversations with him before that happened. And I remember listening to them not that long ago, and you know, the, just the way that he was talking was totally different from what I had memories of, because most of what I knew him from was after the stroke. Right. So, and, you know, he was able to switch back from, like, German and English, which he was able to do before then pretty easily, and, like, he just, he couldn't hardly speak in some cases, you know, after uh, after the stroke, and it, it was just so bizarre to experience that. You know, right? So I can't imagine what it's like to see the hologram right in front of you, and you have to give that to him, right? Like to imagine you would deprave the <clears throat> the the child of a parent, right? The ability to see something like that, or even if you think about uh, his wishes, dad's wishes to, hey, I want you to see how I am now, not how, how I am uh, today. Because I'm going to be a changed man, and I know yeah. I'm cutting to the end, but yeah, because uh, I'm going to be a changed man. It's like, yeah, you, <laughs> the whole idea of not letting him experience that seems yeah. like such an injustice. I get why she would say it though, just because she wants to spare him, you know, the heartbreak of like seeing his dead dad after he's already processed the emotions. But like as Troy rightfully points out, he's never done processing those emotions, right? Yeah. So, man, Troy plays a big role she in does. this episode. Troy has this is a good Troy episode. It is. She was doing her <laughs> job. She was doing her job. Yeah. But yeah, I, I thought that was a good scene. Um, There's many of them. Now that we're talking about it, right? I that, not enough space battles, not, but otherwise, not, not enough space battles. But I think this is an episode that needed to happen. Now we that get, we're talking about it, shit that makes me want to cry. <laughs> the next scene, we see Jordy leading uh, the Rojenkos, who are Worf's parents, uh, through the engineering section of the ship and sergey knows the ship like the back of his hand oh yeah as he says during this scene that he he studied all the specs he knows where the elevator the turbo lift sorry are and like where everything is and yeah so they're enjoying the tour and then helena gets led to the arboretum i think and sergey stops jordy and he's like yeah can i see the the warp core or something and he's like yeah sure and then Sergey's like, look, actually, I wanted to ask you about Worf, because I'm concerned. He just doesn't know how Worf is adapting to the right. ship. Yeah. He, he, you know, he's just seriously concerned because he raised this kid as a refugee and doesn't know how, like, I think he's the first Klingon officer, right? Yes. Yeah. So he just, you know, he's grabbing his, his son's friend to ask him how his son is doing. It's a very touching scene. It's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, uh, my God. It's so good. <laughs> uh, and you see Jordy, who is not that close to war. Not super. Really. But pause, and you can tell he's going to say kind things. Right. Yeah. Oh, We don't really get to see the rest of that, but, like, you know. No. You, you know, know Jordy's going to. He, yeah, he's going to represent well, war pretty well. Well, that sweet smile. Yeah. You know. You know what's going to happen. Back on Earth. They're having dinner, Picard and his family, and... Drinking that wine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're talking about their old friend, Louis, who is uh, some guy from the village, and he's part of this project called, like, the Atlantis Project or something like that. They're making a new continent 
from this magma shelf. <laughs> the it's leftovers really... of the coral reef. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're making like some new land or something and, right. and Jean Luc is very interested in it and Robert is just like, Yeah, that's all this newfangled bullshit. I don't know. I, I just work on a farm. Right. And it you can start to see the difference in their values right now. Like Robert is very interested in uh preserving what is left of this family farm that has been preserved for generations and generations. And he sees what Jean-Luc has done as like a betrayal. Um, Going off into space, becoming this uh, Starfleet captain uh, is nothing like working on the vineyard. Right. But everyone else respects it so much more than what Robert does. And that's not to say that what Robert does isn't good. It's just different. Doesn't make you a hero, though. Right. That's true. It doesn't give you a parade. It doesn't give no. you the keys to the city as uh, Marie. They were talking about. Yeah, Maria saying, like, oh, the, the mayor wants to give you the keys to the city. And, you know, Jean-Luc, is, he's trying to turn it down. Well, it's Jean-Luc Picard. Right. He would never want a parade. But as Robert points own. out, that's false modesty. Don't give us that false modesty. You know you want the keys to the city. That's what, Why else did you become a captain? Why else did you do this? You know? Oh, that's interesting. Do you think he wants it? I think deep down, yeah, he does want recognition. I think he wants accomplishment, not recognition. Maybe. I Yeah, but he's a human I think, he's a human being though. Yeah, but he loves Shakespeare, right? So he would rather be in 300 years remembered for doing something versus honor right now. See what yeah. I'm saying? Like he's too modest and too arrogant to take a parade. What he's looking for is a place in the history books. Yeah, but that's that's recognition. That's that's a key to the I know, city. but in a that's different the same way. Thing. In a that's different the same way. Thing. Mm. And Robert's saying, like, look, you Well, always, Robert's right. I'm saying Robert's I, I right. I think Robert is right. It's just he's not on he doesn't understand what kind of accolades John Luke is after. Yes, exactly. He doesn't want everyone looking at him when he's alive. No. He, wa- he wants to be remembered dead, after he's dead. He wants ships named after him. <laughs> yeah. That's what he wants. So it goes to this whole thing where, like, they had this argument about replicators, how they they argued when they were kids, uh, their mom and dad argued over whether or not to have a replicator in the house. Because, like, Marie is such a good cook, right? And so I mean about and, the home uh, home taker or uh, the yeah the homemaker the home thing maker, and yeah. and Jean Luc is like well yeah yeah you're a great cook and uh, I remember we argued about this because it would have been easier you could have a little more convenience you know if you had this this replicator it could be easier on your work in the house because yeah. it is work <laughs> oh yeah cooking is hard I and, like cooking but there's days where I don't want but to. as R- Robert is saying that like no we we need to preserve uh this lost art. And they're drinking this wine uh, that they grow on the farm and, and make on the farm. And Robert's like, that's nothing like your synthahol. You can just snap right out of it. This is different. You need to be careful with that, Jean-Luc. You don't know how to drink it. And, which is true. Which is, uh, yeah, uh, a, a setup for something that happens later. Yes. And, yeah, it's just, like, it's interesting. And I like this scene because you get to see how this new world that we've seen on the Enterprise we haven't seen how that interacts with what we know on right. Earth. I think what's really interesting about it as well is uh, Picard says, John Luke says, I remember mom and dad having the very same fight. Yeah. 
so replicators have been around for a while. For a while. Now. Yeah, yeah. And they're still fighting on this farm whether or not they should use it. Yeah. And then they also have a fight over Renee because Renee is really interested in space. He wants to go out there. And he wants to be on a starship. Yeah. And he like won some blue ribbon for this essay and Picard did too. And they talk about that for a while. And like Robert clearly does not want his son to go out uh, go out in space. He's trying to protect him from the stuff that Jean Luc went off and did. Well, this is a very tense him? scene, uh, but it's good. Well acted. Yeah. Uh, the next day, Jean Luc is talking to Louis, his friend from the village that works on the Atlantis project. This guy's a douche. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, I think a little bit. <laughs> Well, he he crosses some boundaries, as we'll see later. Yeah, I don't like but this guy. That, so they're talking. He's Lewis, like that high school friend you're still friends with because you were friends in high yeah. school, but you wouldn't be friends with today if you met. It's, Lewis, it's that guy. Lewis is like some manager on this project, Ugh. and you know they're talking about how they're yeah we don't know, really know what to do to stabilize the continent, and Picard has some ideas. He's like, you know what? They're looking for someone like you. You know, think about it. Come come down here work with work with me, buddy. And he's like, no, I'm. I really just, I like the Enterprise. I, I kind of want to do that. I belong in space. Right. But Lewis is very insistent that he works with him on the ocean floor building a continent for some reason. <laughs> I'm not really sure why, why they're doing this. They didn't get this. into the reason. Yeah. Probably because so much of the ocean has been burned away. It's just super shallow. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so Jean-Luc is... He's trying to shake this guy off, uh, but he still likes them. Like, you can tell that... Yeah, they're friends. They're friends. But, yeah, he's like, all right, tell you what, give me some information on this thing, and I'll read over it, and I'll tell you what I think. I'll just give you a recommendation on what to do. I'm not saying it's worth anything, but, you know... I, I'm a smart man. I'm a smart guy, and this this is interesting to me. Right. So, Lewis is like, oh, okay, all right. Uh, and then they part ways. Back on the Enterprise, we're in the 10 forward, and Worf is Love talking. This scene. Yeah, Worf is talking to his parents, and uh, the Rajenkos are like, Worf, everyone on the ship loves you. You're so great. Uh, we knew that you'd amount to something. Worf this is, is great. Yeah, you're, you're just great, Worf. And then. You skip season one, Worf is great. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know anything about the time you tried to shoot uh, the view screen, <laughs> any of those dumb ideas you had. Yeah. Uh, early in the series. But we, we only know you as the only competent security officer on the ship. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but Worf is like, look, I appreciate that y'all are here. I just wish that you'd just kind of pipe it down a little bit. You know, I'm on duty, I'm a Klingon, I have certain appearances to keep. Just come on. And they're like, look, we know. We're parents. We're very proud of you. But we go a little far. We get it. But just understand why, you know. Because like, we love you. You're right. And he's like, okay, well, I'm getting a call. I got to go. <laughs> he's got, like, some phaser shit to deal with. Yeah, well, Wrecker does call him. He's yeah. got to do some work. Uh, and, and he goes and leaves. And then uh, Sergey and uh, Helena, they go to look at the uh, the stars outside the windows. And Guinan is there. Hell yeah! And this is a great scene. I love Guinan. Oh, uh, my God. I love this scene. And she's like, you know what? A lot of people come out to look at the stars here, and I know I always find new people here because they come to look at their home, find some distant star out there, but you know, they're from Earth, so uh, that would be the planet. Right. Uh, but she's like, you know, she goes through this whole thing about how, you know, I know your son, 
did he ever order prune juice when you knew him? And they're like, no, prune juice. He already he only ate Klingon food. And Helena says this whole thing about how I learned how to cook all this Klingon food because that, that was all he ate and all he insisted that we cook because he wanted to be a Klingon because that's what he is. And she's like, well, you know what? He's a little different here. He loves prune juice. He's the, he's the same wharf that you know, except I know him as the guy that likes prune juice. <laughs> That's the wharf I know. And it's because it's something he picked up here. He's picked up a lot of other things as well. Like, he's changed as he became an adult. And you know? as he looks out to those stars, when he's looking for his home, right. he looks towards Earth. He looks for you. Yes. Yeah. So... Great scene. It was so beautiful. And yeah. you could watch his parents get teary-eyed. Yeah. Um, oh, man, I'm getting teary-eyed thinking <laughs> about it. His parents just his parents love Worf so much. They're great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but also being Worf must have been such a struggle. Oh, yeah. And well, they, they have Worf. that story about how, like, uh, seven older kids picked on him when he was seven, mm-hmm. and he just, like, beat the shit out of all of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And then like, was concerned about beating the shit out of all of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the character development that happens with Worf. Oh, yeah. In, in this episode and also in a, a few episodes before oh, yeah. uh, this one. Uh, so I like the direction that that's going. Uh, back on the uh, on, in France, on planet Earth. Great Brit- France. Yeah, Great Britain, maybe France? <laughs> Does Great Britain exist anymore? I don't know. Oh, no. Everyone sure has British accents. Marie finds Jean-Luc and he's just like hanging out in their study and he's you know just kind of staring off into space and she's like hey uh what's going on and he's like you know what I'm actually thinking about that job that Lewis offered me Picard no yeah no don't do it buddy (laughs) and she's like look I get it it'd be great if you were here you know maybe you and Robert can kind of mend fences just think about it I don't know uh and Jean-Luc is like look I you know what? I already like my brother's tastes in wives, which is a weird thing to That's say. That's what I meant about fresh. Y- yeah. Like, he just gets uh, a little fresh sometimes. And this is where they talk about their correspondence that they had going. And, you know, that you make me feel like I'm part of the family. And she's like, you are part of the family. You're literally Robert's brother. I don't get why you feel separate. Then Lewis comes by, and he's like, hey, Picard, just wanted to see you real quick. I'm setting up a meeting with the board of governors. I'm a big douchebag. Yeah, and ignored everything you said. Right, and, he's, and I set up a job interview. For yeah, you. and he's like, "Look, you know that thing that you gave me? I just kind of skimmed it over. I just did it to be nice, and I'm not really interested in it." And he's like, "Look, they want you to run this project. You are so prestigious here, and I think you know what you're doing, and I think that you can make it a success." Just please consider it, and please meet with these guys. And he's like, okay, fine. You know, yeah, why not? Why not? I'll see what happens. Although I don't want this. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was considering it, and then he had to, like, fight this guy off. Yeah, well, he was considering it because of what he just went through. Right. Yeah, I think it's just, like, a momentary thing. Sure. Well, you know... I've gone on job interviews for things where I was like, I don't really want this, but I also know what I'm doing right now is not making me so Yeah, happy. I've only gone to job interviews out of desperation, oh, so really? I don't really know that feeling. Oh, uh, well, yeah, you haven't been in the agency business guess, as long yeah, as I, guess I have. Not, not long enough. Ugh. Uh, well, you show up to meetings, and this is just 
Yeah. But you show up to meetings and you're like, oh, God, I don't want to be here at all. And then you are as pleasant as you can be to try to get out. <laughs> uh, this is, yeah, I guess that's kind of what happens. Yeah, exactly. With, with Jean-Luc. He just agrees to a thing that he clearly doesn't want to do. Exactly. <laughs> Back in the Enterprise. I'll just say in real life, most of the time you realize you really don't want to do it <laughs> after you're already there. Yeah. Like, that's the inconvenience of it. Yeah. You show up and then you're the like, nail, oh, The oh nail God. gets hammered in the coffin like, <laughs> halfway through the interview. I go, no. Uh, back in the Enterprise, uh, we have this brief scene where Beverly Crusher gives Wesley the holo- the holodeck thing and tells him where it's from. And then Worf is in his room on this weird chair made out what of globes. The, what was, what this? was that? He was, it was he, a globe chair with a mirror. He was fixing mirror. his mustache <laughs> in a Check chair made out hair. of globes. And his parents come know. in. And he jumps off of it. it yeah, was he's like, I wasn't doing anything. Uh <laughs> And it's never explained. <laughs> the strangest prop piece uh, But yeah, All of Star Trek. <laughs> he starts talking to, uh, to his parents, and they bring up his letter of discommendation, the thing that separates him from the Klingon Empire. And he's like, look, I'm very ashamed of that, and I don't want to talk about it. And they're like, look, we're your parents, and we know you didn't do anything wrong. We support you no matter what. But dishonor, you suffer through alone. Yeah. But his parents say, look, we're humans. We don't suffer through things alone. Yeah. You, we we love you, and we're going to bear this with you. Yeah, they you don't, do. But they don't get the Klingon culture. No. You know, they, Which they admit. Yeah. but uh, They even go as far to say, we understood half of that letter you sent us. <laughs> yeah, they don't really get what happened. But, no, but they know it hurt him. Yeah. So they both agree that, okay, You'll suffer through this alone, but please understand that back here on Earth, we're suffering with you. And they, they like, grab each other's hands and, like, okay. It's difficult for Worf to get through that, though, because this is, like, the worst thing that's happened to him. Oh, yeah. He's being separated from his culture. Back in the Picard house in France, Jean-Luc is hanging out, drinking an entire bottle of wine by himself, maybe two. I don't know. He's pretty drunk. Is drunk. He is drunk as hell. Yeah. He's not used to real alcohol. And Robert comes in. Plus, wine sneaks up on you. Yeah, it hard. does. And it's the middle of the day. Yeah, but and you can have a couple glasses of glasses of wine and then suddenly be drunk. Right. And this is what has happened to oh, Jean Luc yeah. oh, because yeah. he's not used to real alcohol. And Robert tells him this. He's like, you know, you've been drinking that synthol stuff. You're not used to this. This will make you out of control. You know, that's something I like to see is the great captain, Jean-Luc Picard, out of control. Hell yeah! And they, he just needles him. He's like, oh yeah, what happened to you up there? And, Being a brother. And Jean-Luc doesn't want to talk about it. And he's like, you know, I'm, I'm just saying that maybe you needed to be humiliated. Which is a horrible thing to say to someone that just suffered trauma. Oh, yes. Like, it was, he's just being Lack awful. of understanding. And so Jean-Luc storms out. He doesn't want to talk to him. And Robert follows him. He's like, why are you running away? What's your deal? What, you know, what's your problem? And they have this argument about, and it's revealed that Robert is the older brother that was upstaged by his younger brother constantly. And he hates that. And he hates that about Jean-Luc. Super jealous. And, and, you know, he's needled him on this trauma that he just suffered. So finally, Jean-Luc just slugs him. And they just start wrestling, drunk wrestling in this vineyard and they're fighting each other in this mud kind of half-assed yeah it's very terrible fight yes and they just give up 
And then they're laughing. They're laughing, the and they're throwing mud at each other. And you know, the, it, it's clear that they don't hate each other at this point. But then right. Jean Luc starts crying and talking about all the people that he killed when his body was taken over by the Borg. And Robert finally understands, at least halfway, oh, my brother actually hurts. He can actually hurt. Yeah. He's human. Yeah, he's a human being after all. Well, huh. (laughs) That's not something that he expected to happen, No, it isn't. I think he just expected to make him mad. Yeah, and the weight of this scene to me is incredible. I think... His brother was a jerk. Yes. I will say that. Huge asshole. Huge asshole. But what his brother did, and that's something that family makes you do more often than you like to confront, is that thing that is really driving you crazy about yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Like, your family has this way of drawing out your your insecurities or your personal feelings, um, which is what happens in this scene, which I think is, like, really rings true, again, to how people are, how families are. Um, and of course it's in the Star Trek setting. Yeah. But sometimes you need to punch your brother <laughs> to figure out your own problems. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a certain level of, I mean, I don't mean act in violence uh, uh, towards a different Sometimes you need to person, argue. But sometimes you yeah. have to like confront the thing that's going on in your life yeah. to actually deal with it. Because mm. Picard never... He, he never this. confronted he was, his he family. Was com- yeah. He was he was compartmentalizing it uh, for so long, and then his brother, being a complete jerk to him, forced him to accept the fact that he Im- he is flawed. Yeah, he is broken. He is hurt by this, which I do think is something that, again, when you get really mad at a family member, it's because they've poked you in the right way to like pull out the things that make you feel bad. Mm-hmm. And I think this episode does such a great job of like bringing that to light and making Picard deal with the trauma that he that he went through. And and by the next scene, they have completely made up. They oh have, yeah, they're friends. So Marie comes into the like house. brother. So right. that's that's what I yeah. mean too. It's like that's such a brotherly family interaction. And the only reason I keep going like brothers is because I have brothers. Yeah, uh, my I have a sister, but we don't interact that way. <laughs> Uh, but my brothers and I do, you yeah. know, uh, in a much more like it's a big blowout kind of fight. And then it's like uh, 15 minutes later, we're best friends in the world again, doing whatever we were doing. Yeah, I know how that is. But yeah, they've uh, Marie comes in and they've they've tracked mud all through the house. And like, God, I hope they clean it up. Yeah, that was nasty. Yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah. And they're drunk and they're singing or whatever. And Marie is like, what the hell happened? And Jean-Luc is suddenly very embarrassed and he's like you know what tell lewis that i'm canceling the meeting i'm going back to the enterprise right now right now covered uh, in mud I'm wasted drunk as hell uh but i'm going back to the enterprise that it's leaving orbit soon uh i gotta go i know that's where i belong you know so he's made up his mind he's not indecisive anymore he he knows where he needs to be and he's ready to go back back on the enterprise wesley loads the holodeck tape into the holodeck, and there he sees his dad right in front of him, like a oh, real God. person. Tearjerker Jeez. moment. Yeah, and his dad is a younger guy, and he's addressing Wesley as like a 10-week-old baby. And he's apologizing for not being there because he has to wear this uniform. And he says, maybe one day you'll like to try it on. And Wesley is there in a Starfleet uniform. And 
He's saying, look, I, I'm a young father. I don't know the first thing about being a dad, but I feel this connection to you, and I hope you understand that whatever happens, you know, I'm your dad and I love you. This is something that Wesley needs to say, needs to see. Oh, yeah. And, and finally he says, goodbye, dad. This, he hasn't gotten to say that. So and Beverly wanted to take wanted that, to keep from that from him. Yeah, which I understand why. But this, I don't. It's bullshit. <laughs> this is why he needed to see it, so he could say goodbye. Yeah, so and understand who his father was. Right. Uh, back in France, Jean-Luc is he's getting re- ready to leave. In a Starfleet uniform. And he's leaving in a uniform. He came there, and whatever the hell passes for casual wear... <laughs> The deep V yeah. and parachute pants. Yeah. And he's leaving in a Starfleet uniform. Renee says goodbye, Uncle, and clearly worships this guy. Oh, yeah. And he's leaving on good terms with his brother, who gives him a bottle of wine. And he's saying, now, look, this is real alcohol. Don't drink it all by yourself. And they kiss each other both on the cheek, like, because they're French. And, and don't drink it all alone. Don't drink it alone. Yeah. yeah. It's clear that they like each other again. Or... For the first respect time. Respect each other. Yeah, at least. least respect each other. Uh, on the ship, Worf is walking his parents to the transporter room. And Helena says, can I send you some Rokeg blood pie? And Worf, his eyes light up. He's like, oh, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, and she's like, you know, I, I haven't cooked it in a long time, but I think I remember you always liked it uh, when you were a kid. And then they meet Picard at the door because he has just arrived from France. And there's this passing scene. It's very brief. It's great. But Sergey is, he's trying to like talk to Captain Picard. He's like starstruck. Picard's got to go and he's got to go. But he's like, I've, and the last thing he says before the, the doors close, he's like, I have all the specs. <laughs> <laughs> he's memorized the entire ship. Like he loves that his son works on the Enterprise. It's like the coolest thing in the world to this guy. So I thought that was a neat little detail. It was awesome. Uh, and Picard smiles, and he goes back to his post on the bridge. The last scene is in France. It's at night. There's a fire roaring in the fireplace, and Robert and Marie are, like, cleaning up the table. They're like, uh, where's Rene? Where's he at? And Marie is looking at the, the window, and she says, oh, he's looking up the stars and, and dreaming. She says, but it's getting late. And Robert says, let him dream. And it shows Renee looking up the stars, a comet. Or maybe it's the Enterprise taking off. I don't know. It's now clear that Robert is okay with his son dis- deciding to go out into space. At least that's what I got from this. Yeah, same here. Yeah. It showed growth on right on his side. But yeah, that was, that was family. End of episode. Yeah. Well, Patrick, this is where we like to rate what we just saw. If we thought it was amazing, must watch Star Trek. We set to kill. If we thought it was pretty good, it comes up in the queue. You give it a watch. We set to stun. And if we thought it was horrible, avoid at all costs, we leave it in the holster. So, Patrick, what would you think? You know, when we started watching this, you warned me that it was kind of boring. You know, like, there's no space battles in this. (laughs) they They don't do anything. They don't go anywhere. But it's set to kill, man. Yeah! No, like, there's very important character development that we see with Picard, that we see with Worf, with Troy, too, and Crusher, and Wesley. Like, a lot of people are coming to terms with trauma that we saw happen in the show that we never saw them deal with. And now we're seeing them deal with it. 
and we're seeing how the people that matter to them in their lives cope with their very dangerous lives on the starship, you know? Like, these people are all basically celebrities. You know, they serve on the most important ship in the galaxy. What does that mean to their family? What does that mean to the people that they know and their parents and all that stuff? And I thought it was really interesting to see that. And it did a it did a great job. So, yeah, set to kill. Hell yeah. I mean, I agree. It is definitely a set to kill episode. I would say I love Star Trek because it is in space. So that's what I was warning you about. Knowing you as a as a brethren of mine, how much you I love, love space, space battles. battles. I, I love like, them. There's not a lot of them in this that's episode. Okay. There are certain points, man. It is so emotional. It like makes me as a son or perhaps future father or whatever types of positions I'm going to be in life. Like it rings so true that it's, it makes you think a lot about, well, what's important uh, uh, among between balancing like life experiences Mm -hmm. as well as family and emotional experiences. Yeah. And I think that this episode does such a great job of humanizing every character within it. Oh yeah. And yeah, that's why or Klingonize, <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, it's great in that regard, and I think it's very important to watch. I don't think you'd understand it if you just jumped into Star oh, Trek. Oh no, not this at all. Episode. Don't it's, make it's, this your first episode. No, this is like a hey, I've been invested in this show type of episode. But yeah, absolutely, set to kill. I loved it. I'm I'm in a weird emotional place right now thinking about it. You know? <laughs> yeah. And in a good way, I think great writing, great acting uh, does that. And this episode definitely pulls it off. Yeah. Is there anything you want to talk about before we get out of here? Uh, I just want to say thank you to our patrons and thank you to all the people that listen to the show. I appreciate it. I do, too. Yeah. Uh, you can find us at patreon.com slash pattrek. That's where the show lives now. Uh, we will have all of the TNG episodes up for free, and we're also doing some original series stuff if you're a donor. Yeah. So thank you if you give money. Thank you if you don't give money and just listen to the show. Absolutely. And the podcast will always be available in feeds and anywhere else. Um, uh, but, yeah. The main site's going to be uh, the Patreon, just because Tumblr is no fun. Yeah, they they messed up their streaming thing. Yeah. Ugh. So, so anyway, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Pat Likes a Tweet because Facebook is for noobs. Let's see what's out there. Beaches, hot sauce. Beaches, hot sauce.